Thanks for checking out the Ascent Church podcast. Our mission is to reach, equip, and impact others exactly where they are as we rise to new life in Christ. We hope that this message encourages you. Now, here's Pastor Thomas Lane. Here's the background for Easter. Jesus's earliest followers, they had put their hope and trust in him. Their hopes were dashed. Their trust was gone because they thought he was the one. They thought God had sent his son into the world to redeem them, to save them, to bring them hope, to bring them new life. And everything just went wrong. Because at the climax of their hope, when they said, this is the one who's going to make everything right. Do you know what happened? He got crucified. He was crucified, brutally murdered. Easter is a story for you when you feel like you're done. When you feel like it's over, when you feel like it's lost. Now this could be in the area of your family or your future or your finances or your faith or your hope. If there's a part of your life where you feel like it's done, it's over, it's a wash, game over. Here's what I want to tell you today. The message of Easter is it ain't over. I came to tell you it ain't over. Turn to your neighbor. Maybe they'll give you some candy. Tell them it ain't over. The message of Easter is that when your night is darkest, when you have lost all hope, when you are certain you're lost, when there ain't a shred of hope, God isn't done. The end is not the end. If Jesus is involved, if God's got his hand on it, the end is not the end. The end is actually just the beginning. Let's pray, and then we'll kick things off. Father God, we thank you for this text. God, we thank you for the challenge today. God, so many of us right now in this room, we feel like we're done. We feel like it's game over, and maybe this is our marriage. We're ready to throw in the towel. Maybe we've contemplated suicide this week or this morning or this month. Maybe we said, I'm, qu- I'm quitting school. I'm done. It's over. It ain't even worth it. God, if that's Them, if someone in that room is having these thoughts, God, may they know that it ain't over. May them understand that you are here, that you are real, and that you are so good, that you have plans for their lives beyond what they could ever comprehend or imagine. Father God, we love you. We thank you that we can celebrate today, and we thank you that we can eat Reese's eggs in church. In your son's good name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to go to the text. We're going to go to Luke 24. If you have a Bible, dope. If you don't, just look right behind me. Follow along with me. This is the early, one of the early accounts of about Jesus' life and his death. It says, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and they went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Here's what you need to know. They were not looking for a resurrected Lord. They were looking for a dead Jesus. Their hope was gone. Their expectations were gone. They were just going to anoint his body with spices and oils. It was kind of what they did when someone died. It kept the odor away. And they were just being good friends. They were just being faithful. That's where they were going. When they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were still wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. That might need to be somebody's light verse in this spot today. He is not here. He has risen. So many times we go to circumstances in life with expectations far too small. Once again, these women, God bless them, they were not looking for the risen Lord. They weren't saying, where is he? Let's find him. I can't wait to see him. They were looking for a dead Jesus. That's 
also so many of us do every single day. We look at a situation, we look at an experience and we say, that thing is dead. It's done, it's over. My marriage is dead. My health is just dead. That opportunity is dead. We need a little scrap of hope because you need to understand if God is involved, it is not dead. Here's what you need to understand. Y'all need to learn this verse. You need to preach it to yourself all the time. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. I want to speak that over somebody today because somebody's at a bad spot. And what you need to understand that if God is in the mix, if he's in the mix, if he's in your life, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. There's two quick things I want to tell you today. And you might not expect them in church. You might not expect them from a preacher. Just two things. If you're taking notes, just one and two. Number one is this. You ready for this? You're not going to expect it. It's not what you thought we were going to talk about today. Number one is this belief is hard. Belief is hard. If you struggle to believe, you are not alone. You are not alone at all. You ain't even, you ain't even close. The authors of the scripture had that struggle. The authors of the scripture didn't even believe it at first. So if you're in this place, you're like, everyone believes but me. Everyone has no doubts except me. I'm the only person with struggles. I'm the only person with doubts. You have completely misread the situation. It is hard to believe. Belief is hard. Look at this. When they came back from the tomb, They told all these things to the 11 and to the others. The 11, that's Jesus's closest followers. They told them these strange things, but they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. This seems like nonsense. The Bible, I miss it. It seems like nonsense. The idea that the son of God came came to the world and was executed by professional executioners who would lose their heads if they didn't do the job right. And that this dude was killed, clearly dead, put in a rock tomb for three days. And on the third day he rose again, it seems like utter nonsense. Now there's two groups of people here. Some of y'all, you're Christians, you love God, you get it. This is your church. You're looking for a church. We're glad you're here. But there's about probably a third of us here who, if I can be honest with you, you think this is a steaming pile of garbage. I'm just being real. You do. You think this is nonsense. You're just here so your wife will talk to you on Easter. (laughs) Right? So she won't be as mad at you. You're like, all right, I'll go. Fine. (laughs) You just hate it. It's garbage. And you probably saw a History Channel documentary one time, or your friend made you think if you believed in God, you you were a nincompoop, or you took a class in college, and some professor, some grad student convinced you for three credit hours. I don't know what the case is, but that's where a lot of us think. But look, if you think this sounds like nonsense, you're not alone. If you've never thought this sounds like nonsense, you haven't read the Bible. And you're actually in a very small minority because the people who were there thought it was nonsense. The people who wrote this at first thought it was nonsense. If you don't think it's nonsense, you aren't listening. There's this bumper sticker I saw. And if anyone has this bumper sticker, I'm sorry. (laughs) I've asked the parking team to remove it from any cars in the parking lot if it's there. And I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to be rude, but here, here's what it said. Some of y'all are going to give me the death look because you have it. It essentially said this, God said it, the Bible has it, I believe it. I don't know why I feel like they need to spit after that, but I feel like it's in there. Is that Christianity? Is that faith? No, that's not faith. You see, because God built a supercomputer in your brain. Scripture says that we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind. We're supposed to think about this. Scripture said to test everything and to hold fast, to cling, to hold on to that which is good. We're not supposed to just blindly say, oh, the Bible says it, cool. 
We're supposed to think about this. We're supposed to process it. That's how God built us. We have a new series coming up. It started next week. It's at 9 and 10.30 a.m., our brand new service times, which we're really excited to try this summer, 9 and 10.30. The series is called Asking for a Friend. We're talking about the most difficult questions of faith, and you're invited to come. Listen, life is too short, and eternity is too long to ignore these questions. You have an hour a week just to look at it, just to get a new perspective, just to figure it out. We're talking about heavy stuff. Is the Bible legit? Did Jesus really come? What about, what about good and evil? If, if God's good, why do bad things happen? That's what we're talking about during this series. And look, we want to help you explore faith in a fun and authentic atmosphere. You're invited to come this series and to bring your friends. I think it's going to be challenging for us all. If you believe, if you don't believe, come hang out. We'll all grow together. Let's look at the text three. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Did you notice they just said it sounded like garbage? They're like, that sounds like nonsense. Hold up. They're like, let's at least look. That's what some of us are. We don't think it sounds right, but they understood something a lot of us don't. They understand that the stakes are so high that if this really did happen, if this was a historical fact, that this changes everything. And they ran to the tomb. Some of y'all are running to the tomb today. Some of y'all, I can see it in your face. You're excited for Easter. You couldn't sleep last night because it's a celebration. You ran to the tomb. I like that. I like that a lot. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. So this was written by a guy named John. And whenever he talked about himself in his book, he didn't say, John did this, I did this. He said the other disciple or the one Jesus loved. He talked about it in the third person a little bit. So he essentially just said, we were running, but I outran Peter and got there first. There's something about people who run who just love to brag about it. There's something about people who do cardio where everybody's got to know about it. Am I right? See, nowadays we have apps, all right? I'm sitting on my couch and I get on Instagram and I see an app. I just ran 14 miles in 19 minutes. And I just finished a cookout tray. I got bits of Snickers in my beard. And y'all don't make me feel good at that moment. But I thought it was a new thing. It's not new. It's been going on for thousands of years. If you do cardio, you brag. You know how else I know? But I've done a 5K because if you do a 5K, everyone gets a medal. (laughs) I think I came in 900th place and I got a medal. What is that about? I go to the gym. I want a medal. I want a medal for riding on the bike for six minutes. The only place, honestly, that would probably give me a medal would be Chick-fil-A. Am I right? Amen. The amount of nuggets and fries I can eat is frightening. You know what my medal would say? It would be this big. It would say, my pleasure. (laughs) That's what it would say. If anyone is involved in Chick-fil-A, call me. We'll work something out. We'll work something out. They ran there. They bent over. Because it can be difficult to run. If you're exploring faith, if you're running after, you might need to catch your breath. They bent over. It took a second and they looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but they did not go in. That word looked is a word in Greek, it's, it's blepo. Somebody say blepo. It's a boring word. It just means he looked. He literally just saw with his eyes. This is where a lot of us are with faith. We're, we're at the edge of the tomb. We're looking, but we're not going in. Like we see it from a distance. Maybe we have some questions. We see it over there, but we're like, ah, I don't really, I'm not interested enough to go in to take a step to explore. Then Simon Peter, who came in last, let the record show, came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw 
the strips of linen lying there. Now, this word for he saw is not blepo. It's not I just saw, it's theoreo. It's where we get the word theorize. He took it a step further. He didn't stand on the edge and just peek in. He walked in. He said, I got to figure this out for myself. I got some theories. I got some ideas. I'm going to use my brain a second. I'm going to look at this stuff. That is where God is calling us. He's calling us into the empty tomb. He's calling us to have an interaction with the risen savior and to figure it out ourselves. They saw the linen as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus's head. The cloth was still lying in its place separate from the linen, okay? Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first, did you see it? He did it again. Where's the scripture? Where is it? Who reached the tomb first? Another little, I was first, by the way. Let the record show for the rest of history of time that I beat him to the tomb. Okay, he went inside, he saw and believed. These people, we, we have a tendency to look at ancient people and think they were just idiots. Oh, it's a different time. We're educated, we're astute. They were just kind of dummies. But no, they didn't just buy it. They didn't have the bumper sticker. I don't even think they had cars. I'm kidding, of course they didn't have cars. But look at, they're, they're, they're thinking, they're saying, okay, the body's gone. I knew he was dead. He didn't walk. He didn't just walk away. Okay, did, did grave robbers take it? If, they, if grave robbers took it, why did they leave the only valuable part, the cloth, the linen, and the spices? That's the only thing of value. Why did they leave that if it was stolen? Maybe disciples took it. Did disciples take it? If they did, one, why would they become unclean by touching a dead body? Why would they dishonor Jesus' body by stripping him naked? And not everyone knew where the tomb was. What exactly was going on? Easter invites us to think. It invites us to come in and think. You see, the tomb was open. The stone was rolled away. I always thought it was because Jesus needed a way out. I always thought on Sunday morning, he woke up like this. Man, I feel a lot better. And he he sat up and he walked to the tomb like this. That's how Jesus walked, by the way. And he got to the tomb and he rolled it away and he skipped over and just went about his merry way. That's what I thought he did, but that's actually not true. Because the eyewitness, um, the eyewitness documents all say that Jesus sometimes appeared to one person, sometimes groups of two, sometimes. 10, 15 in a house. One time he appeared over 500 at the same time. And one time they were in this locked room, right? And Jesus didn't really, he didn't really vibe with the laws of physics too much. Sometimes he would just, in a locked house, he would just pop. He would just come in the midst of them and then disappear. He didn't need the stone to be rolled away for him to get in. The tomb was empty. The tomb was open. The stone was rolled away, not so Jesus could get out, but so we could get in. So we could have a look, so we could figure it out ourselves. God is inviting us with open arms to say, come and check this out. Yo, if this is real, this changes everything. This changes everything. I have proof we don't really get Easter. We don't really understand it. Yes, it's encouraging. Yes, it's comforting. Amen. I totally agree with you. And I want you to be comforted today. But the reason I don't think we quite understand Easter is because we're like eggs, candy, grass, fun, the, the earliest disciples didn't, didn't have the same warm and fuzzy thoughts. They didn't say, oh, snap, somebody should have bought, somebody should have packed, somebody should have picked up a box of peeps. Jesus is back. Look at this, 36. While they were still talking about this, the resurrection, they were still trying to figure it out. While they were still talking, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. Look at the range of emotions. They were startled. They were frightened. This ain't a warm fuzzy. They didn't say, oh, he's back. 
He loves me. They were scared. Look at this. Thinking they saw a ghost, he said to them, why are you troubled? Why do doubts rise in your minds? He says, look, look at my hands and my feet. He took the time to show them the scars. It is I myself touch me and see a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still did not believe, that's where a lot of you are. You've looked at the evidence, you still don't believe. It's okay, take your time. They did not believe it because of joy and amazement. He asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it in their presence. What an odd detail to include. There's no reason to have that unless it actually happened. It doesn't further the plot. It doesn't mean anything except he was hungry. But that's kind of a weird detail. Am I right? It's like Jesus is back. He just paid for the sins of, hum- of humanity. He just reunited us with God, the father. He just suffered and died a terrible death. He's back. And Jesus says, guys, I'm a little hungry. And they give him a filet fish They could have at least taken him to Texas Roadhouse. That's what I would have done. I would have loaded Jesus up with the rolls and the butter, amen, and the butter cinnamon gravy. I would have at least taken him to be in the biscuit. I don't care if there's a weight, it's worth it. Jesus, you're back. Thanks for dying for our sins. Here's a filet fish in this little box. Why does McDonald's do that? You know what I'm talking about? It's like, the, it's like a vault to keep the smell in. What is going on here? It's a weird story but it has all the marks of an actual eyewitness account. But what I really wanted you to see was the range of emotions. Startled, frightened, doubting, troubling, joy, amazement. This changes everything. Some of y'all think Jesus is coming and you think he wants to lay the smack down. Some of y'all are weird with God, you're weird with church because you think if you actually, if he is real and if you actually have an interaction with him, he's gonna smack you down, knock you down, guilt you, shame you for not believing to say, hey, didn't you you see that bumper sticker I made for you? Why aren't you happy? having that on your car. Do you think Jesus wants to call you loser? But look at him. Do you see the patience? Do you see the kindness? Do you see the grace and the love? He takes his time. He's saying, look, I'm here. I'm real. Watch me eat something. Look at my scars. You saw me die. Look, at me. Touch me. Feel me. Let's spend some time together. That's what he wants to do for you. God understands it is hard to believe. Let me plug this series again because it's so important. It's called Asking for a Friend at 9 a.m. and 10.30. The next four to five weeks, come here, right here, 9 or 10.30. Bring your friends. We're gonna explore this stuff together. I just wanna say two quick things. You need to give yourself some grace. If you have a tough time believing in God or understanding something in the Bible, I want you to give yourself some grace and say, hey, it's okay to struggle with that. Sometimes we don't talk about it because we don't want to get looked down on, but it's okay to put that in the open to say, hey, I struggle with this. I have some questions. I have some uncertainties. I need some help. You need to give yourself some grace and you need to give others some grace. Because some of us look at other people who don't believe and we kind of, we look, you, you look down your nose at them. Well, you would have been looking down your nose at the 12 apostles too, because they had the same questions, the same hesitations, the same doubts. Number one, belief is hard. Number two, Belief is worth it. Somebody say it's worth it. It's worth it. Now we shouldn't believe it just because it's worth it. We should believe it because it's true. But I just needed you to know it is so, so worth it. We live in an age of scams. Who's ever tried, anyone try to scam you? Is it just me? Okay, email, 
Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Apparently, it's just me. I get calls every day trying to scam me, do something, sell me something. Here's what I want you to know. That's what Easter's like. Let's say tomorrow, you check the mail and there's a letter. Okay, you open it up and it's like a fancy envelope. You're saying, this looks legit. It's got your full name in it. You're like, ooh, cool. You open it up, has your last four, your social, your address, your family. It says, it says and this is on nice paper. This is like, this ain't cheap paper. This is like nice legal. This is like the Dunder Mifflin paper. <laughs> Michael Scott special. Okay, this is good stuff. And it's from a, 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 a law firm. And it says, your great uncle, thrice removed on your mother's cousin's side, has passed away and left you $50 million. Here's an email. Here's a website. Here's a phone number. Call it and we'll, we'll get you the check. Now you would be smart to be skeptical, but you'd be a dum-dum if you just threw it in the trash. You would at least call the number. You'd at least Google and say, is this a real law firm? You'd at least email them and say, can you give me some more details? For $50 million, you wouldn't just huck it away. But that's what some of us do with faith. And what Christianity promises us is a whole lot more than $50 million. What what does following Christ promise us? Well, it promises you a new life. It promises you a new body. It promises you a new heavens and a new earth. It promises you that every bad thing that has ever happened to you will be reversed and fully redeemed. It promises you an eternity and afterlife with a body, not floating on a cloud, but a body eating, drinking, partying, dancing with God, with loved ones. That's worth a lot more than $50 million. We'd be silly not to look into it. I wanna encourage you in regard to your eternity, but also in regard to your present circumstances, because I know we have, all of some things going on. Here's how I want to encourage you practically today. I want you to see in the Bible, I want you to see in the text that it took three days. Some of you are in the middle of a three-day period right now. You're in the middle of a delay. You thought God would show up and do something. You thought he would answer that prayer. You thought he would get you that job. You thought he would lock you down a man, but there's some kind of delay and you're frustrated. Now, I don't know if your three days are literally three days or it could be three weeks, months, years. It could be three decades. I don't know what you're in the middle of, but you're in the middle. So many of us are in the middle of a delay. Jesus's followers felt the same thing. They were stuck in that delay from Friday, the cross to Sunday, the resurrection. And here's what they said. They may be feeling exactly how you feel. This is what they were saying in Luke 24. They said, they're talking about Jesus. They said they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. Meaning we thought he was the one who was going to fix things. We thought he was the one who was going to make things right. He thought, we thought he was the one who was going to heal us and, and, and bring us fullness and completion and carry us to heaven and, and do all this stuff. We thought he was the one. We thought he was the one. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. How often do you preach that pattern to yourselves? How often? I thought that guy was the one. I thought that job was the one. I thought that house was the one. I thought that test was the one, but it wasn't. So maybe God isn't real or maybe he doesn't love us or maybe he's abandoned us. That is the pattern we preach to us all the time. How many of us are looking at something we don't like? Something we don't fully understand. And you are thinking, what could God possibly ever do through that? What good could God ever bring out of this situation? What do you mean God loves me? What do you mean he has a plan for me? Do you see my circumstances? He's totally abandoned me. You see, they looked at the cross and they said, what could God possibly do through that? 
He looked at the cross and he said, what good could possibly, could, could God possibly do through that? What good could come out of that? He's abandoned us. He's left us. He's turned his back on us. How many people walked away Friday thinking God left them? Are walking away from their faith. You see, they thought the cross was the worst thing that had ever happened to them. But come to find out on the third day, it was actually the best thing that had ever happened to them. They thought he left them, but he was showing them he loved them, that he has a plan and purpose and that he was in control all along. What they thought was the worst thing was actually the greatest gift he's ever given us. But what was God doing on the cross? You see, he sent, his, he sent his son into this world. Jesus was carrying out the salvation of the world. Jesus was paying for the sins, my sins, your sins, on the cross, paying for the sins of the world. He was, God was expressing his love. He was securing you life and purpose and hope and a future right there on the cross. Just because you don't currently understand your circumstances doesn't mean God isn't there. Let me say that again. Just because you don't currently fully understand your circumstances does not mean that God isn't there. Just because you don't understand what he's doing does not mean he isn't working. He could be working something beyond you could ever comprehend. Just look to the cross. Just look to the cross. Sometimes the the darkest nights provide the backdrop for the stars to shine all the brighter. And that may be what you're going through right now. But I wanted to ask you this. This is the question for today. Are you locked in a Friday mentality? Are you locked in a Friday mentality? Because I came to tell you it takes three days. It takes three days. You see, you see three days as God's failure. You see three days as God's inactivity. We see three days as God's turning it back. It might feel like Friday. You may be stuck in Saturday, but I came to tell you Sunday's coming. I came to say it loud. Sunday is coming. I don't care if you're facing a a divorce, a diagnosis, bad news with your kids or with your parents. I came to tell you Sunday's coming. Some of y'all need to preach that to yourself. Some of y'all need to get a shirt with that on it. Tattoo it, do something because Sunday is coming. Turn to your neighbor, tell him Sunday's coming. Turn to your other neighbor, your second pick, your last choice. The one you ignored before, so rude. Tell them Sunday's coming, they need to know too. Y'all, this is Easter This is Easter. We need a shift. We need a shift to see third days, not as God abandoning us, but taking the time to set up a miracle. God has taken the time to set up a resurrection. We need a third day right now. It took three days for God to show us who he really is. He ain't gone. He ain't dead. He hasn't forgotten about you. He's setting up resurrections in your life. See, we focus on what was. God focuses on what could be. I say we focus on what was. God looks at what could be. We look at our past, but God's looking at your future. You're looking at Friday, but God's already looking forward to Sunday. You are looking at the cross. And God's looking at the empty tomb. (laughs) The message of Easter is that it ain't over. The message of Easter is God isn't done. God isn't done with you. God isn't done with this world. If you're at a dark place, if hope is waning, here's what I want you to know. I don't care what you believe. I don't care who you are. 
I don't care what you've done. Easter is risen. Easter is here. Jesus is risen. No one is beyond hope. No one is beyond redemption. You are not beyond hope. You are not beyond redemption. And the resurrection proves that. God has a glorious plan for you and your family. Here's what I want you to leave with ringing in your ears. He has risen. The tomb is empty. Will you step in? Will you see for yourself? Y'all, this changes everything. And your life, will never be the same. If you're stuck in a Friday mentality, if you're stuck in those three days, struggling with hope, struggling with purpose, struggling with guidance or direction, if you need a new start today, Jesus offers it to you for free. He paid for your sins. He paved the way to God. He died and he is risen. We believe Jesus is on the move in Virginia Beach. And if you would like to learn more about who we are and our mission, follow us at Ascent Church 757. If you would like to give to further our mission to impact this city and beyond, you can do so at our website, ascentchurch.net. We hope to see you soon.